Good morning, everyone. Welcome to a new exciting episode of Electric Leftovers. That's right. This is the show you probably listened to a week ago. And it's probably the show you're going to listen to again this week, since you're listening to it right now. I'm Jason, and you are whoever you are. I mean... I'm not going to tell you who you can and can't be. You got to do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? Over at the website this fine day, we have a couple of new things happening. We've got some, oh, more Treasure Hunter G. We've got some Empire Strikes Back from Jade. We've got some Heroes and Lost Island from Ragnats. Some Chaos Legion from Scarlet, which I thought he was done with for some reason. And then some Doom 2 as well. Isn't that nice? And over in the forums, Jade has posted up a poll about that Undertale game, which maybe you've heard about. I've heard about it. I've heard very good things about it. I don't know much about it more than that because I want to play it. I'm trying to avoid everything about it. But that doesn't mean you have to avoid everything about it, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a new movie in the monster movie section. Uh, Gamera vs. Baragon from 1966. We've got some new soundtracks from Mephisto. He's went and added Super Mario Land, Batman, and Wolfenstein 3D from what it looks like. Um, we have... Well, I put together, because I'm working on this um, March of the Black Queen Ogre Battle Let's Play. So I'm kind of starting to, in between some of the other projects I'm working on, work on that just a tad. Nothing um, too involved. Mostly it's just going to be little trivia things. Well, not trivia, but... Just some things about the inner workings of the game, just to kind of get everybody prepped and ready to go for when the Let's Play starts. And right now, if you go over to the forums, you can find a post all about your starting um, your starting character, his alignment, attacks, and the units that you will uh, be able to get shortly thereafter. Took a while to put it together. But there it is, and I think it's kind of nice. Um, it's it's made my life easier being able to decide I want this game, or I want this game, or I want this game, and I can just go and find it, and grab that, you know. Also, I mentioned last time that it's getting kind of close to you know the the low bias gaming pledge drive time, where we need to get some our uh, hosting and everything else renewed. And decided we might try something a little different this year. And I need some feedback from you guys about this one way or the other. Um, instead of just sending us, you know, a donation and then getting a request for it. Um, we're kind of thinking about maybe doing some shirts and cups and hats and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a service... I guess, that I use for a lot of my music stuff that does all my t-shirts and everything. They're really good shirts and all, and they're not too terribly expensive, so I've kind of fiddled with a couple of designs. I'm going to see what else I can put together, maybe some coffee cups and things like that. 
because everybody needs stuff like that, right? If that sounds like a better idea to you than just flat out just handing us over 10 bucks and seeing how it goes, uh, let us know. You know, either send me an email, leave a comment on the channel for this at the forums, or something. Call into the show, even. Put it on the Facebook. Put it on the Twitter. Things like that. Uh, because that helps us immensely, you know, with the with the hosting fees and all of that. And it also gets you something a little more permanent, a little more tangible than, you know... I made Scarlet play a really hard game, and there was a lot of fun to watch him be bad at it. Ha ha. Since the beginning of time, ladies and gentlemen, the forces of order and chaos have been engaged in an eternal struggle to decide the fate of all creation. In Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, you'll become part of this struggle as you follow Bale, the last of the prime evils, into the barbarian highlands of the north. You'll face a series of challenging new quests to prevent the vile minions of the underworld from destroying the world of Sanctuary. This expansion of Diablo 2 features more weapons, armor, magical items, and character classes. Everything! You need to fight the new monsters that await you. And that means that we are looking at Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, today. And as I'm looking at the page, I'm really wondering how I got it to format like that. Because there's something coming up that I'm going to want to format like that. Anyway, Diablo 2 from Blizzard North and just plain old Blizzard in 2001. Can you believe that game is 15 years old today? Still better than Diablo 3. And I loved the heck out of this game. I still love the heck out of this game. I think it does everything that the first one did right and fixes everything that the first one didn't do right. And the third one came along and it just got dumb and weird. Thanks, Blizzard. And you're not letting me down. Um, kind of a long game, though. We're looking at 28 episodes. And I have it split up by quests, and even further into that is acts. The game is split up into four acts, five with the expansion, which this is, and you can see all of it here. I'm going to warn you terribly that the, um, I'm going to terribly warn you that act five is incredibly dull and boring because they just try to make it really long, but there's not a lot of substance to it. Not a whole lot of substance to most of the game, really, but not what it's there for. Also, special appearance from Cowtown. Yeah.
So, the next game in our review review series, um, I'm not totally sure how to handle this one. It's generally considered to be a pretty crappy game, and most of the reviews I'm looking at are giving it three stars or less. Uh, there are a couple that are three and a half, and there's one that's even five. And none of our normal contributors have reviewed this game, um, but I'm going to take the five-star review, uh, just because... You know we're gonna we're gonna try and be a little different here. So let's let's look at it and see what we got. People, seriously, read the instructions. An Amagon review by Stan S. Oh, and he's got those weird those weird things that the people do when they don't have a thing to do. Okay, I. This is Stan talking. I, as usual, am going to be very brief with this review, even though this is a full review. I'm attempting to help this poor game out of the mire it's been ruthlessly thrown into. In Amagon, you control a war hero, or marine, who has been stranded on an island somewhere in the South Pacific. The goal is to get to the end of the island to return home. There. Simple. Now, on to the review. Gameplay. 10,000 points. You may be wondering why I have rated it this way. Well, keep reading. In Amagon, you control said war hero in an effort to get off the island, battling a variety of enemies, little enemies, and sometimes large ones, in half levels, two apiece, and then a boss every other level. You start out weak with only one hit and a gun. The best thing you do in this game is move slowly, as enemies will bail serious tail from every direction. If you don't take your time, you'll be screwed real quick. Sometimes you will receive a 1-up, points, or a Megagon icon, called the Mega Key. The reason for the point blocks is that the more you collect, the more life you will have as Megagon. Some idiots who did reviews on this game apparently didn't figure that out with the instructions or without reading them. Therefore, if you only collect 5,000 points worth of blocks and then turn into the big muscle dude, you won't last long. Sometimes you will also receive a crown icon, but this simply is another point block, only worth 10,000. You can also collect bullet icons if you run out, but even if you don't, you can use your gun to stock, gun stock to attack enemies. When Amagon turns into Megagon, he has different attacks, a super punch and a mega beam that looks like a half circle energy thing. The latter is powerful, but uses up some of your energy. It's better to punch the hell out of everything. Bosses die very quickly as the big guy, so make sure you save your powers for the bosses if possible, or you most likely won't make it. Control, Megagon out of 10. Controls on this game are simple. I don't know what it is with some people who wrote reviews on this. Is it that hard to play the games on an emulator? I myself actually own it, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Anyway, simple. A button for jump, B button for attack, start to pause. Select for changing into Megagon and the directional pad for the obvious. I do admit that there are times when the jumping of your character can be a bit awkward, but in no way that difficult to get used to. In fact, after level one, uh, you should be pretty well adjusted to grabbing air. Controls change in one respect when you are Megagon in that you can fire the Mega Beam by pressing up and B, not simply B. This saves energy as I do not suggest using the beam often unless you want to make short work of a boss. Enemies can swamp you at times, but if you take it slow, there is no timer, you can make it through the game easily. It is not really a game where you need to play through first to get used to it. If you take it slow, you can make it to the end. Some enemies are harder than others and take a lot of bullets to kill if you are Amagon, but bosses are generally easy, especially if you are Megagon. Well, I take that back. If you play them as the little guy, it will be significantly more difficult. Difficulty, 10 Megagon icons out of 10. 
This game can be very difficult, but only if you attempt to take into it too quickly. If you take it slow, it is very playable and not that hard. Lots of interesting things go on going on as well, which brings us to the next topic. Graphics. 10 flying lion heads out of 10. The graphics in this game are great. That's right. Read it again. I'm not sure what everyone else has been looking at, but first remember ye 13-year-olds out there whose first system was the N64. This is an 8-bit system. Do not expect 3D graphics and friggin' things flying everywhere. It's simple. Colors are nicely layered with lots of unique creatures, especially bosses, to look at. Backgrounds are a variety of different jungle themes and then some odd alien-type things at the end. Bosses are large and strange, the first, for example, being a giant lion's head that flies around and eventually sprouts another head from its mane. Very odd. And interesting. A nice blend of colors and detail overall. Amagon does not look that odd. He is simple, yes, but small and detailed enough that you can tell he's some dude running around with some gun. When he turns big, he does have an odd chin and face, but that's to make him look like a beefy muscle man. Is it that hard to figure out the programmer's intentions? Sound. 10 diddle diddle daws out of 10. The music I found to be catchy, and different for every level. No repetition except, of course, when each level theme repeats. A lot of nice variety within the sounds. Pretty simple for most of the creatures and so forth, but good. Boss music is fun, and I particularly enjoyed the transformation sounds from Amagon to Megagon. Everything fits nicely. There's not much more to say. Oh boy. Overall, 1 trillion to the nth Amagons out of 10. This is a great game, and there's nothing else for me to say. It takes a little to get used to, but it plays like any other Kid Nicky Adventure Island Bonks Adventure type game out there. But it does so with its own unique feel and variety. Play it. If you don't like it, go back to your GameCube. Reviewers rating 5. Flawless. Originally posted August 6, 2003. Now, I don't agree with a lot of what's in there, but his review pretty much ended up being, you know, it's not that bad because just play it. You know, so we're going to get into a different review, one that maybe was not that loving to it. Um, there's a couple of short ones here. I'm actually going to do two of them. I'm going to do two. We're going to start with this one here. This because these are short. Guys, you didn't know about the game's gimmick, obviously. An Amagon review by The Manx. Sounds like a disease. I see a lot of people complaining about this game, and not one of them mentions the main feature of it. I find that excusable, as most probably either pick the game up as a ROM or a second-hand and didn't get the manual because of it. I totally understand, since I didn't have the manual. I never figured out how to use the magic spells in Flying Warriors. But if you pick up the right item in Amagon, your guy can turn into the friggin' Incredible Hulk. The bosses are designed to be fought that way, so give the game some slack. Amagon is a strangely named marine who has been sent to a bizarre island, according to the manual. Although the background of the title thing screen has me thinking it's actually the result of a plane crash. There's a boat on the other side of the island he can use to escape to safety, but to get to it, he'll have to take on everything from giant hippos to dinosaurs to alien invaders. Fortunately, by scoring enough points and picking up an items called the Mega Key, picture of a man flexing his muscles, he can get rid of his girly machine gun by pressing the select button and transform into an 8-foot muscle man named Megagon. In this form, he has devastating punches and laser beams at his disposals and is more than a match for just about any monster the island can throw at him. Doesn't sound so unfair now. 
Not that this makes Amagon the best game ever, that'll be something like Robot Alchemy Drive, which I love despite the adversarial camera system, but it does level the playing field against some of the unfair bosses and whatnot that the other reviewers complained about, and injects a little bit of strategy in the game as to when it's a good idea to give up the range of your gun and double the size of your character in exchange for his resilience and offensive power, and cooler background music. Yup, Megagon has his own theme song. Once you understand what the game's main feature is and learn to use it well, the game isn't so bad or unfair. The changing aspect might be cool if you could change back and forth whenever you liked and there were places where the tiny Amagon was better than the towering Megagon, but at the time it was a unique feature and I'm a little disappointed so few games are about transforming heroes with extra powers. And our last review, oh, this one says quick, it's a little long. And I think uh, this fellow reviewer probably snagged this format because I've seen some other people use this and I don't remember this name being one of them. So it's not that bad, really. Review by Dalton of Zeal. I received this game for free from a friend of mine who had a relative giving away old NES games. I brought it home and popped it in the NES. The first thing I saw was a weird looking title screen with something that looked like a guy standing in front of a crashed airplane except that the airplane was smaller than the man it was made out of wood. The logo for the game made me laugh as well. The O has teeth. Being a big fan of old games, I pressed start and began. Playing through the game, I realized it was just another jump and shoot game with a completely incoherent storyline and stranger enemies. Mushrooms, guys dressed up as elephants, etc. <laughs> I was losing hope, but I continued anyway. Jump and shoot is fun. About halfway through the stage, I picked up this power and hit the select button. Surprise! I turned into a giant muscled beast called Amagon. Okay. Well, we know by now that that is not the case. It is Megagon, not Amagon. Now, this game won't win any awards for story. I couldn't stop laughing about it personally. The gameplay in Amagon is good, but not great. It should keep you playing for a bit, and once you get through the first few stages, the game starts to get better. Um, I'm just going to pick this one apart as we go. I don't understand what there is to laugh about the story. I mean, it's not, you know, Supermarine sent to an island that no one's come back from to figure out what's going on. Probably had to crash the plane because there's no landing strip. Also, the plane looks so small because of something we call perspective. It's farther away, so it looks smaller. <laughs> Gameplay, 6 out of 10. Our hero is apparently a little guy with a gun. He has a weird way of jumping a stupid haircut and only one hit before he croaks. The only way for him to survive is to shoot his enemies. Bullets are limited and pick up power-ups hoping to find an Amagon power-up to transform into Amagon. You only get three lives and the only way to continue is to get to world 4-1 and continue from 3-1. Uh, again, Amagon, not his name. Uh, through, uh, though jumping and shooting the ad enemies can be fun, the gameplay seems a little bit unfair when you are the hunter guy and a little too easy when you are Amagon. For example, the mini boss will run at you, take about 30 bullets, and can't be jumped over. Therefore, as the hunter, you have no chance of killing him ever. But as Amagon, all you have to do is stand in the corner and keep punching. Same with the big bosses. Amagon can easily jump up and keep punching them while not worrying about his life meter all that much. But the hunter would run out of bullets long before the boss croaks. Yes, this is a fun game, and I have persevered and beaten it, but I think it could use a little balance. The bottom line is Amagon is too strong, and the hunter is too weak. I can kind of agree with everything that was said, except the only reason you should be running out of bullets is if you're wasting them. I know, it's not a lot of fun. You got a machine gun, you want to keep shooting like Contra. Not in this game. Excuse me. Story, 3 of 10. 
This is easily one of the most pathetic stories I've ever come across while playing a game. Amagon has crashed his plane on a mysterious island. He must complete his mission. That's it. What the heck is his mission anyway? Not to die? Well, I'm going to give a little slack to uh, Dalton here because apparently he has not read the manual like the other people. <laughs> because the story's in the manual. Yeah, yeah. Graphics, 4 out of 10. The graphics are okay, but you can definitely see the NES color limits in this one. Characters in NES games are only allowed to have four colors each, and Amagon is no exception. His shirt and hair are the same color! As for the rest, the backgrounds are dull, but the icons for power-ups aren't too bad. The enemies are really, really stupid looking. I like, you know, when people complain about things like that, because then you look, you know, well, Super Mario Brothers had mushroom enemies and turtles, and this game has mushrooms and turtles. And Mario's color palette was also not that different from Amagon's. So, you know what I mean? You gotta be... You gotta be consistent. You know? Controls, 5 out of 10. An NES jump-and-shoot game with bad controls? Yes, indeed. Amagon's jumping is very hard to get used to. It's hard to explain, but it just doesn't feel right. And if you hold the A button, he keeps jumping endlessly. Yes, some of the jumping is a bit weird. Um... What happens with that is he, he has some very fast falling physics and some very fast jumping physics. He jumps a lot faster than he walks, and it can be really hard to get used to because he doesn't have, well, he's got a quick jump and a high jump. He doesn't have a lot of forward momentum on his jump. You know what I mean? Audio, 1 out of 10. Oh, please, the music in this game is total, utter crap. Sounds like a bunch of smoke detectors going off endlessly. At least the music when you turn into Amagon is tolerable. The sound effects are nothing special either. Well, I agree the sound effects are not super great. I think some of the music is very good. And some of it is not so well well done, but some of it is excellent. Replayability, 6 out of 10. Depends, really. If you like Amagon, you just might keep playing it until you beat it. Once you do, you might want to run through again for old time's sake. But most people will be turned off by a game and embarrassed for playing it and will never want to see it again. Except for me. I let's played it. Buy or rent? Why not buy it? It's not expensive, and if you don't like it, it's a good laugh. Overall, Amagon isn't as bad as some people make it seem, but it really needs a little more balance, and the music is absolutely horrible. I had fun with it. A viewer's rating, 3 out of 5. For fair. Dalton is one of the people that the other two reviewers were talking about who didn't really get the memo about what's going on in the game and just kind of tried to piece it together, which, you know, we all have done with video games from time to time. But I think if you're going to take the time to write a review, you really need to get, you know, everything situated, right?
live. Well, kind of. Right now it's live. Um, when you're listening to it, it will not be live. But here's our live news that has happened in the last, you know, 30 days or so. Our lead story, The Internet's Promise Fulfilled. For men, anyway. Japan's Tenga Toy Company appears to be first on the market with a virtual reality bodysuit for use with the Oculus Rift, quote, Sexy Beach Premium Resort 3D game, containing a genital stimulator and the sensation of groping breasts, sending impulses all over the wearer's body to make it feel like another human being is touching them. According to one reviewer, who expressed dismay that the bodysuit might put sex workers out of business, said Tenga CEO, quote, In the future, the virtual real will become more real than the actual real sex. Because of societal pressures, women are expected to be a less robust market for the device than men. Yeah, I think so. Grown-ups, ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens when children get bigger. In March, one District of Columbia government administrative judge was charged with misdemeanor assault on another. Judge Sharon Goody said she wanted to give Justice Joan Davenport some files, but Davenport in her office would not answer the door. Goody said once the door finally opened and enraged, Davenport allegedly lunged at her, aiming her thrust at Goldie's neck. Like I said, just big children. And Tennessee State Rep Jeremy Durham has such a reputation as a dog around women working at the Capitol that the House Speaker issued a directive in April, relocating Durham's office to a less populated building across the street. Further, Durham is allowed access only to certain legislative meetings and to certain staff, i.e. no free-ranging among female staff members. After interviewing 34 people, the state attorney general said he believed that Rep Durham's unwanted sexual approaches and commentaries were impeding legislative business because all really great legislative business as we know happens in tennessee some awesome governments viewers two stories of awesome governments chinese courts according to figures reported by amnesty international in march dispense justice so skillfully that more than 99.9 percent of cases result in convictions there were a total of 1039 acquittals in 1.2 million cases last year and our second story, during its first 33 years through 2012, the U.S. government's applications for secret search warrants to the Foreign International Surveillance Court have been approved all but 11 times out of 33,900 cases. FISC defenders say that it's because the requests are finally honed with guidance from judges. But of course, both the Chinese and the U.S. numbers and reasoning are by designation unverifiable. Our leading economic indicators for this week, ladies and gentlemen, who's a good dog? Yes, you are. Some are just blessed with doggy charisma, say owners who showcase their pet's charm on personal social media accounts. And now specialized markets scour those sources to match the most popular pooches with advertisers seeking just the right four-legged companion for their image. As the Wall Street Journal reported in April, entrepreneurial dog owners have rushed to create popular Instagram accounts and Facebook posts and now even put their photogenic pups on a live streaming app called Waggle to catch agents' eyes. And they hope lead to four- and five-figure paydays from such advertisers as Nikon, PetSmart, Resident Inn, and Heinz. New Jersey is a big state in some sense of the word, but when just one man decided to move away, the state's legislature's budget's office director warned that the loss of that man's taxes might lead to state revenue problems. Billionaire hedge fund manager David Tepper evidently pays a bundle, and the budget office director pointed out that the state's reliance on personal income taxes means that even a 1% drop in anticipated tax could create a gap of $140 million under forecasts. That's Chris Christie's plan for you right there. 
Among the names chosen for internet startup ventures, although face it, the more sensible names are already taken, Howz, H-O-U-Z-Z, Home Design and Remodeling, Kabam, Online Interactive Game Company, former Water Cooler Inc., Klarna, e-commerce company that pays the store for your purchases and then collects for you, MuleSoft, which makes software to integrate applications, and Cabbage, which makes small business loans online. Wired Magazine reported in February that those ventures and two dozen other inexplicably named startups are all unicorns, with investors pledging at least $1 billion to each one. Crazy. The job of the researcher, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, researchers already knew that masked birch caterpillars rub hairs on their rear ends against a leaf to create vibrations. Who didn't know that, really? According to an April National Geographic report, but a forthcoming article by Carleton University biologist describes that drumming is actually part of their, quote, sophisticated signaling repertoire to attract others. Not for mating, but for assistance in spinning their protective silk cocoons. The researchers' laser vibrometer... I've got one. Don't you have one? Detects sound likely inaudible to humans, but when the caterpillars feed, it's clearly, said one researcher, chomp, 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 anal scrape, chomp, 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 anal scrape. We all like hearing about police and their reports, so here's a couple of police reports about microcrime. According to a surveillance video, a man broke into a Five Guys restaurant in Washington, D.C. in the middle of the night on March 18th and cooked himself a cheeseburger and fled. That story is incorrect. He cooked himself two cheeseburgers. I just know that. And Elise Batista, that's a great name, Elise Batista, 24, was arrested for the February break-in at Bradley's Convenience Store in Las Curses, New Mexico, in which he took only a pack of cigarettes for which he left $6 on the counter. However, he also damaged the door getting in. Ah, Elise. Still. Undignified deaths. When you go, let it not be this way. A 69-year-old man was killed on March 17th while awaiting emergency care at Vidant Medical Center in Greenville, North Carolina. He'd been seriously injured in an earlier accident and was in the waiting room when a 59-year-old driver's car crashed through the hospital doors and fatally struck him. And number two, a 55-year-old man was killed in Memphis, Tennessee on March 23rd when a 15-foot trailer came loose and crashed into him on the sidewalk. The deceased, who had a lengthy criminal record for sexual assault, might have avoided the trailer if he had not been distracted by watching pornography on his phone as he walked. No sign of Florida this week, but Tennessee picking up the slack. Our least competent criminals, not Elise Batista. Elise Batista did a great job. Anyway, uh, Amanda Schweikart. Schweikart? Schweikart. I'm going to say Schweikart. Amanda Schweikart, 28, was charged with a felony and three driving offenses in March in Springville, New York, when deputies noticed that her rear license plate was just a piece of cardboard painted to sort of resemble a New York plate, but more likely suggesting the work of an elementary school art class. New York also requires a flunt front plate, but Schweikert had not gotten around to that yet. I don't think that's incompetence. I think that's creative. And Britain's annual boring conference this year, July 5th at Conway Hall in London, if you're in the neighborhood, 
brings together those who celebrate the mundane. Previous topics include sneezing, toast, vending machine sounds, yellow lines, and barcodes. And in anticipation, a BBC News commentator interviewed Peter Willis of the Letterbox Study Group. Willis68 was excited at having recently acquired access to a database of all 15, excuse me, 115,000 mailboxes served by UK's Royal Mail in hopes, with the help of splendid mapping software, to visit and photograph each one to examine the different styles. No doubt, speaking for all members, Willis said the lay version of boring implies inactivity, but the obsessiveness in his study group and in attendance at the boring conference, um, the obsessives, excuse me, lead active lives with a wide range of interests. The conference, by the way, is sold out. Oh, never mind, I guess you can't go. Be more boring. And taking a trip in the Wayback Machine to February of 2012, here is our classic. Sri Lanka has an unwritten symbol of pride and culture. The world's highest per capita rate for eye donation, according to a January 2012 Associated Press dispatch from Colombo. What? I didn't know he wrote for the AP. I thought he was dead. Underpinning this national purpose is the country's Buddhist tradition that celebrates afterlives. He's dead, said a mourning relative of a deceased eye donor, but he's still alive. His eye can still see the world. Doctors even report instances in which Sri Lankans consider giving up an eyeball while still alive as a measure of virtue. A new state-of-the-art clinic funded by Singaporean donors is expected to nearly double Sri Lanka's export of eyeballs. Wow, way to go Sri Lanka. Helping the world see one ball at a time.
Well, as usual, at this uh, point in the event, this is going to conclude the uh, broadcast. I hope you have enjoyed, and I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, you can find all the stuff about the show at the website, lowbiasgaming.net, where you can find downloads for all the old episodes. You can find all the soundtracks we talk about and Let's Plays of all of the games that we do in the review review section. And, of course, all the new stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the show. Speaking of new stuff, I mentioned that we're looking into doing the um, product for the site to kind of help raise some funds, you know, and and just give you something a little more back. And another way I'm trying to do a little more for everybody, well, not everybody, mostly for me and you folks who listen to the show, but who don't want to go to the website to listen to it, uh, I have sent the show over to Stitcher to see if it will be picked up there, and um, I'm going to take a look at a couple of other podcast aggregator kind of sources. Um, it's a lot of XML work, and I hate XML work, but, you know, it might be worth it. Uh, also, um, I don't know if I mentioned it in the show, but I have mentioned it at least in a couple of different places. Half Blind Gamer on YouTube has decided to start a little project he's calling Let's All Play, where he is going to play through a game and then is taking volunteers to pick up some voice acting lines as characters and NPCs in the game. And as of right now, the first game, Battle of Olympus, according to him, all of the uh, video is done, so all the audio is being sent in. If you would like to get in on this, especially if you would like to do some female voices, please do get a hold of him on YouTube at Half Blind Gamer uh, and let him know. It should be a lot of fun. It's real easy to do. He's going to send you some lines. You record them. You send them to him. And then he does all the extra work putting the whole thing together. So... If you're interested, go check it out. And if you are even a dude and want to do some female voices, check it out. It's a lot of fun, I promise. I'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening.